Cool. Uh, Cody, thank you. Guys, it is a, a privilege to be here. Uh, like Cody said, my name is Calvin. It's like Calvin, but with no L. So if you're wondering, like, did he mispronounce it? He, did, he pronounced it right. And uh, I've been uh, friends with Paul for a few years now, uh, working down at Davis. And so you guys might not know who I am, although it's really cool. I was here a couple years ago. It's fun to see some of you guys who are freshman, sophomore, up leading. This is, it's awesome. Um, so you guys not, might not know me, though. But I definitely know you guys, right? I stalk you guys on Facebook. Uh, Every day I was checking out Hume photos. Like, what are they doing today at Hume? So how many of you guys were at Hume for spring break? Oh, my gosh. Dude, I mean, it looks like you guys had a blast. And David especially had a blast. Am I right? (laughs) But seriously, guys, the reason reason I stalk you guys on Facebook, the reason I know more about you guys than than is appropriate, uh, I, I pray for you guys often. I, I really do. I, I get Paul's uh, prayer updates. Every time I'm seeing stuff on Facebook, I, I'm always praying for you guys because uh, I, I love what's happening here at Chico. I, I love when college students get excited about Jesus. And so I'm pumped. I, I'm pumped. And I'm really excited to be here tonight with you guys. So, you, so we're going through a series, right? Uh, foundations. Um, hitting those kind of key fundamental building blocks, right? Like, what do, you, what do you kind of build your Christian life on? What do you build your Christian ministry on? And so tonight, uh, Paul said I could talk about anything. So I'm going to talk about prayer. Um, because prayer is something that has been and is still really hard for me. And my guess is that it's really hard for a lot of you guys also. I don't think I'm alone in that. And, and before I dive in too far, we're going to do a little diagnostic, all right? So don't actually raise your hand because it gets embarrassing. But I want to help you guys kind of assess maybe where you're at in your prayer life, okay? So we're going to compare our prayer life to different social media platforms, all right? So here we go. So maybe, maybe your prayer life is like Snapchat, all right? You're on that thing every day, first thing when you wake up, last thing before you go to bed, multiple times a day. It's your main form of communication, if you're honest. <laughs> but if you're honest, also, sometimes you just use it to keep the street going, right? Sometimes your heart's not really in it that much. But you pray a lot. Okay, Snapchat. Maybe your prayer life is like Facebook. You get on every once in a while. But let's be real, guys. Facebook's kind of lame right now, right? It's, it's mostly to make your mom happy. Um, <laughs> it's most, mostly what the old people use, and they think they're cool. So prayer, and not, not really that big of a deal. Or worse, uh, maybe your prayer life is like MySpace. (laughs) You used it when you were a kid, but now you just laugh at it, right? Uh, Maybe that was something you did in church growing up because your parents made you. uh, But now that you're in college, you kind of put that behind you. Or, realistically, I know this ministry, maybe you guys have a dumb phone, right? Maybe you don't have social media at all. Maybe you've never prayed. And, and to be honest, you don't really know what all the hype is about. So whether it's an everyday or never, uh, guys, this talk is for, for you. Um, and, and there's no better way to start a prayer talk than to pray. So would you pray with me? Uh, God, thank you for the privilege to be here with Christian Challenge at Chico. God, as, as uh, I talk about prayer tonight... I ask that you would uh, graciously and mercifully help me to do so. God, I I am painfully aware that uh, I I can't communicate as I ought on this topic, that that I I don't know enough, that I haven't prayed enough, that 
uh, that this is still a weakness for me. And so, Lord, would you please help me overcome those things? And God, as, as we look at your word and what you have to say, I, I pray that you would open our eyes and that you would open our ears. Uh, God, would you impact us tonight through your word? Or would you help us, teach us how to pray as we ought? And God, would you get all of the glory and the credit for this? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So guys, we are going to talk about prayer, and I want to impress upon you to start how serious prayer is, and I want to do that by maybe highlighting some of the problems that I've seen in my own life and in others' lives when they don't pray. And on the forefront, I am going to be primarily addressing those who call themselves Christians, but if that's not you, that's totally okay, and I do have some content in here specifically for you, so bear with me. But I'm, I'm talking primarily to those who know Jesus uh, and, and who are aware on some level that they should be praying. Prayer, prayer tells me a lot about somebody's faith. It, it tells me what they believe about God. It, it's, it's where trust and dependence is put into practice. It's where theology becomes experience. And I think there's some things that happen when we don't pray. Maybe you struggle with anxiety or stress or crippling fear. Maybe you have habitual ongoing sin that, that you try to get rid of, but you just you can't get rid of it. Or maybe you have doubts about your faith. You're, you, you call yourself a Christian, but you're not really sure what you believe. And you question God's character, especially his goodness. Maybe you feel distant from God. And you wonder what the problem is. I think all of these are symptoms of prayerlessness. And if any of these are true of you, and I think most of us, myself included, would say at least one of those is true, that I think we need to learn how to pray. Because I've, I've never met somebody, by the way, I've never met somebody who's like satisfied with their prayer life, who says, oh yeah, I, I pray enough. Because prayer, it's one of those things that when you, you truly taste it, you truly experience it, you, you want more. It leaves you thirsting for more. Now, my, my goal tonight is not to set a, a bar that you have to reach so that you can check it off your list. That's not what I'm after. My goal is to motivate every single one of us towards prayer. Whether, whether you've never prayed, I, I hope that you might start. Or, or if you say that you are consistently praying, I, I hope you pray more, and I hope you're encouraged towards that. And how we're going to do it tonight is we're going to look at one verse in the Bible. That's it. I don't, it's not going to be super complicated. We're going to look at one verse. It's 10 words long. You're going to hear it so many times, you can probably memorize it before the night is done. It's, it's pretty simple. And the verse is in Colossians 4, verse 2. So quick background, uh, just in case you're not familiar. The Apostle Paul, uh, he starts a church in, in Colossae, which is the city, uh, and then while he's in prison later in life, he writes them a letter to encourage them in their faith and kind of correct some of their thinking a little bit. And towards the end of the letter, he gives them some commands that he wants them to follow. And, and he gives them this command, and this is where we'll be tonight. <clears throat> Paul says, to continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
So if you guys are following along the notes, there's no surprises. You could probably fill it in already and you'd, you'd get all the notes. Uh, but please feel free to take notes. You don't have to, but uh, they're, they're there for you. So let's, let's break it down piece by piece. Continue steadfastly in prayer. First, note that, that Paul assumes that the church in Colossae is already praying. He, he doesn't tell them to start praying. He says, continue in prayer. And, and I think a really simple point, a really simple observation would be that it is impossible to be a Christian who doesn't pray. P- prayer, by, by definition, talking to God, communicating to him, is, is necessary if you are to have a relationship with him. So you can't be a Christian and not pray. <clears throat> but the second thing we notice here, that prayer is hard. He says, continue steadfastly in it. It, it requires determination. Some translations uh, say, devote yourselves to prayer. Right? The, the picture is of somebody who is resolute, who is standing firm, not, not budging or moving. They're saying, this is the line and I'm not crossing it. You've ever walked into the, the library at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and you see somebody who's obviously been there the entire night? You guys know the scene, right? They usually have huge headphones, right? They're not blinking because if they blink, they might fall asleep. There's, like, there's, there's energy drinks and like used food boxes all over the place. It's like a war zone. That is somebody who has devoted themselves to studying, right? That is somebody who is steadfastly studying. They're saying, I'm not leaving here until I finish this essay. That's the picture that Paul's painting here. He's like, guys, don't give up in praying. Paul wants us to be this committed to prayer. And and so let me ask this. When's the last time, for for those of you who are Christian here, when's the last time you sat down for 20 minutes, half hour of undistracted, focused prayer? Right, too, too often, prayer is an afterthought. Right? It, it's something that we, we always plan to get to, but it, it never quite seems to happen. <clears throat> it kind of feels like, and you guys will get this, it feels like extra credit in a class that you're already doing well in. Like Theoretically, you know you should do it, right? but there's not really motivation. You're like, it's not going to affect me that much if I don't do it. So maybe we say, like, oh yeah, well, I pray at night, but most nights we don't really get around to it. We kind of forget or we convince ourselves that we don't need to pray because I talk to God when I'm walking to class. I pray little times throughout the day. I've heard people say this. I've heard them say, like, I don't like to sit down for one focused time in prayer because I just pray as I go. And what we're really saying is that prayer isn't important enough to give time to it. But maybe I can add it on to what I'm already doing. It's a good thing to pray throughout the day, don't get me wrong, but, but this isn't the committed steadfast prayer that Paul is talking about. And uh, guys, just to share from my own life, I've, I've had a hard time with this. Prayer has always been just a, a tough exercise. I feel like I would much rather just be doing something. It feels like when I sit down and pray, I'm not doing anything. I'm just, I'm just sitting. I'd rather be active. And, and I used to pray. I, I kid you not, guys. I, I used to pray that God would make prayer easier for me so that I would do it more often, right? Kind of a silly prayer. Like, God, would you I pray you'd make prayer easier. Uh, And you know what? He never answered that prayer. He never answered that prayer. And I I like legitimately prayed this. It was a sincere prayer. Like, God, why isn't prayer easier for me? It's been years of being Christian. Why isn't it easier for me? 
And then, uh, as he often does, he kind of blindsided me. I was reading a book by Timothy Keller, uh, a book on prayer, phenomenal book. And he said this in the opening chapter, and I just started crying. I, I'm kind of emotional. I have a son now, so I cry a lot more than I used to. Um, he says this, and I think we have it up on the screen. He said, I can think of nothing great that is also easy. Prayer must be then one of the hardest things in the world. And I thought about that, and I immediately realized why for years God had never answered my prayer to make prayer easier. Because think about some of the greatest things you guys have accomplished in life. Maybe it's an athletic feat or or an academic feat, a school project. Maybe you guys have your bachelor's degree, a research project. Or think about maybe some of the, the great things that you hope to accomplish in life. All of those things require work. Discipline, time, and energy. And and prayer is no different. And in fact, if prayer is as important as the Bible makes it out to be, then it'll be harder than all of those things that we've done. So I stopped asking God to make prayer easy. And I started asking him to make me stronger. Because consistent prayer is hard work. And it, it requires sacrifice and discipline. And I, and I don't say that to scare you away from it. I say that to encourage you towards it, to know what you're getting yourself into. If, if you are tonight disheartened by your prayer life, don't give up. Continue steadfastly in it. Start, start tomorrow, start tonight, and don't stop. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And then he says this, he says, being watchful in it. Now, and this is kind of odd. He says that in our prayers, we should be watchful. The, the word communicates this idea of vigilance. Uh, when you're being watchful, you're, you're attentive, you're aware of your surroundings, you're sensitive to everything around you, you're kind of on alert. But what does that have to do with prayer? Like, wh- why do we need to be watchful in our prayers? What are we watching for? And uh, there's this great story from uh, Jesus' life that I think illustrates the importance of prayer in watchfulness. And it's in Mark 14. And I'm going to kind of lay the background, and then there's one verse that we're going to cling to. So Mark 14. This is literally hours before Jesus is arrested, uh, before he is beaten, killed, hung on the cross, abandoned by his closest friends, ridiculed. It's all coming. And Jesus knows it's coming. And it's weighing heavy on him. He feels the weight of it. And so he goes to the garden to pray. And he has his closest disciples with him. He has Peter and James and John. And he tells them to watch. He tells them to watch. He says, I'm going to go pray. I want you guys to stay here and watch. And he comes back. And they're passed out. (laughs) They're, They're asleep. Uh, some of you guys, I, I, we've all fallen asleep during prayer, so it's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. Peter, James, and John did it. We've done it. Um, some of you guys are falling asleep right now, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I know how embarrassing it is. I, I was there. Now, real quick, side note. So if you guys didn't know this, um, 21 Pilots has a song about this, actually. It's called Ode to Sleep. Uh, if you did not know this, go back, listen to the song. Well, read Mark 14, then listen to the song. It's the same thing. It's really cool. Um, it's all about the apostle Peter uh, falling asleep in, in the garden. So, so Jesus, uh, he comes back to the disciples. They're asleep. 
And he says, you guys can't keep watch for one hour? Like seriously, one hour, I'm about to die and you guys can't stay awake for an hour. And he says, hey, stay awake. I'm gonna go pray some more. First of all, Jesus prayed for an hour. Uh, That's kind of cool. Like how many of us have ever done that? So he goes and he prays again. and, And sure enough, Peter and James and John passed out. They're, they're asleep again. Right? You think the first time, like, oh, that was embarrassing. Hey, accountability, we'll keep each other awake. Nope, they're, they're out. And, and guys, it's easy at this point to think, like, what idiots? Like, come on, it's not that hard. But we've been there, haven't we, right? Um, for me, it was sophomore year college, Dr. Merrifield's 9.30 a.m. linear algebra. Right? Here's the deal. Monday, Wednesday, 9.30 a.m. linear algebra. Monday, no problem. Totally fine. I can do this. Wednesday, I had a surfing class at the beach at 7 a.m. So I was up super early on Wednesdays, and I spent an hour and a half surfing. And I would get to Dr. Merrifield's class every week without fail. I would try to stay awake, and it just did not happen. He had like this calm, soothing mathematician voice. He'd start talking about matrices, and I'd be out every week. Now, okay, so guys, I, I aced the class. I just had to work a lot harder, okay? So it's not like I was a bad student. Uh, I just, I was tired. It's hard to stay awake uh, in situations like that. So I can totally empathize with Peter, James, and John, right? I get it. Jesus comes back one more time. He says something really important to them. And, and if you don't have this verse memorized, I encourage you to memorize it. This is a really important. Jesus says this in Mark 14, 38. He says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but but the flesh is weak. Jesus is saying, guys, you don't get it. Temptation is coming, and you're going to be tempted beyond your ability to endure. And I know that your spirit is willing. I know that you want to do the right thing, But the problem is that your flesh is weak and you need to watch and to be alert and to stay awake and pray or you'll fall. And if you guys know the rest of this story, you know that literally minutes later, men come to arrest Jesus. And the disciples flee. The disciples abandon him in his greatest time of need. And Peter is the worst of all of them. Peter goes to watch Jesus' trial And three times people come up to him and say, Peter, you were with with him, right? You're one of his followers. And he says, no, I don't know the guy. I've never seen him before. He denies Jesus three times out of fear. Now, this is purely speculative, all right? So don't, don't quote me on this. Don't tweet me on this. Jesus told them to watch and pray so that they wouldn't fall into temptation, I think, my theory, is that if Peter was able to stay awake and pray, I don't think he would have denied Jesus. I think if he had had the self-control to fight the urge to sleep and to pray, I don't think he would have fallen. Because that's what Jesus said. He said, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. So, So why, guys? Why do we have to be watchful in prayer? Because we're no different than them. Because our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And, and you guys know this because we, we experience it every day, right? We set aside time to pray, but we get tired or distracted or disinterested. We sin, and, and then we try to pray, but we're kind of overwhelmed by the guilt that we're carrying. 
And we, we seek the things of this world rather than God because our, our flesh is pretty weak. Now, if I told you guys that there was a deadly strain of the flu that was spreading through Chico State, and it's highly contagious, but you still have to go to class because it's finals week, all right? That's the scenario. Because you guys are like, oh, I just want to go to class. That's too easy. Uh, but you have to go to class, right? So I, I can guarantee you, if that was happening at Chico State, every single one of you would be watchful and alert and hypersensitive. Right? You'd be looking at every person suspiciously, listening for coughs and sneezes, right? You wouldn't touch doorknobs. I think we need to have the same attitude in our prayer life. We, we need to be watchful in prayer. We need, we need to know ourselves and our, and our tendency to sin. We need to be aware of the temptations around us that, that would distract us from God. We should know, you guys should all know the best time of the day for you to pray. You should know the time when you're most focused, most alert, and least likely to fall asleep. We need to know our hearts, guys. We need to know whether or not God actually is sitting on the throne of our heart. We need to know whether we actually love him and care about him or whether we're more concerned with the things of the world. And we also need to be watchful of others. We need to be aware of the needs around us, of our friends, and how we can be praying for them. Stay awake. Be watchful. And then the last part of the verse says, with thanksgiving. Again, may, maybe kind of an, uh, an interesting ad there. What, what, what are you thinking, Paul? Why, why thanksgiving? What does it have to do with prayer? So track with me here. I'm going to throw a couple verses on the screen. You guys don't need to understand each one in great detail. I just want you to catch the theme of what Paul has to say. Okay? So these are all verses from Paul's letters that he wrote to churches. I want you to see how important Thanksgiving is. So first, Philippians 4, 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. That rules out most of us right now, right? <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So even in the moment of greatest anxiety, when we pray and bring our anxious thoughts to God, we should do so with thanksgiving. Kind of weird. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an integral part of our life as a Christian. And in the same way that Paul expects us to pray, he expects us to be thankful. And I got one more. It's in Romans. And this is a warning. And it's Romans 1 is a pretty tough passage. So I'm going to try to break it down. But this is a warning for what can happen for those who are not thankful. So Romans 1, starting in verse 19, uh, Paul says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For God, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that, that have been made. So they are without excuse. Essentially what he's saying there is, is 
every man and woman at some point in time realizes God's character from creation. They see in creation the footprint of the creator. But then, in verse 21, it says that although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. He says that when we fail to give thanks to God, we lose sight of who he is. And we start to pursue other things besides him. Why do we chase after these things in the world that we think will make us happy? It's because we've lost sight of who God is and we have failed to treat him as he ought to be treated and to thank him as he ought to be thanked. So why, why is Paul so adamant? Here's a summary for you guys. All right, this is, again, it's a little wordy, but just pay attention to the part on the screen. So this is from a commentary uh, that I found on Philippians 4. He says this, <clears throat> Petition accompanied by thanksgiving puts both prayer and our lives into proper theological perspective. Thanksgiving is a recognition that everything comes as a gift. The verbalization before God of his goodness and generosity, gratitude thus acknowledged, begets generosity. And indeed, a lack of gratitude is the first step to idolatry, as we saw in Romans 1. Paul's own life was accentuated by thanksgiving, and he could not imagine Christian life that was not a constant outpouring of gratitude to God. Thus, thanksgiving does not mean to say thank you in advance for gifts to be received. Rather, and here's the part I want you guys to hear, rather it is the absolutely basic posture of the believer and the proper context for positioning God. Prayer or thanksgiving is the absolutely basic posture of the believer. When, when we recognize who God is and what he's done for us, the only proper response is thanksgiving. And, and when we fail to thank him, it's because we've lost sight of who he is. So, when was the last time we thanked God? And, and I'm not talking about the perfunctory grace that you say before meals. I'm talking about actually sitting down and sincerely thanking God for the things that he's done for you, for your health for the opportunity you have to go to college, for his care and his provision for you, for protection, for the 99,000 things that we're not aware of that he's doing on our behalf. At any given moment, God is probably doing about 100,000 things for you, and you're aware of maybe three to five of them. And we even fail to thank him for those. And guys, if we don't intentionally thank God and make Thanksgiving the posture of our lives, I think we run the risk of turning away from him. We must become thankful people. Okay, so Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, I don't know how, how you guys are hearing this, but my, my guess is that some of you guys are like me, that a few of you might be feeling guilty. It's kind of a natural response, right? Uh, maybe a sense of guilt and, and maybe like a, a gritty determination. Like in your mind, you're like, ah, oh, man, yeah, I suck at this, but man, tomorrow's going to be different, right? I, I got this. I heard a great talk on it. Now, now, well, an okay talk on it. And then tomorrow is going to be different. Tomorrow, I'm starting over. Fresh start, reset, right? Gritty determination. This time, I'll make a commitment. I'll stick to it. 
And if that's, if that's you, I, I want you to hear this next part really loudly, okay? Because I do not want guilt to be the thing that you leave with tonight. Because <clears throat> guilt, guys, don't get me wrong, guilt is a really good thing. Guilt is not a bad thing. Okay, guilt is, is a sign that something's not right. God gives us guilt to let us know when we're off track. It lets us know when something is wrong. And, and ideally, in, in, in when we allow guilt to uh, motivate us, it, it motivates us back towards God. But guilt is not a healthy long-term motivation. And, and if we rely on guilt to build our prayer life, we're destined for a vicious cycle of guilt and prayerlessness. We'll jump on the horse, we'll be good for a day or two, maybe even a week, and we'll fall off and we'll go right back to where we were. So don't let guilt be the motivating thing that you leave with tonight. Instead, I want to point you to a guy named Matt Chandler. He's a pastor, an author, and he has a sermon called Obstacles to Prayer. And in it, he explains the effect that guilt can have on our prayer life. And this might be some of you guys tonight. He says this, he says, oftentimes in conversations with people, here's what I found. They don't pray because they don't pray. And here's what I mean. He says they, they feel guilty because they don't pray, so they won't pray because they haven't prayed. And, and that's silly, right? But it means that guilt and shame remain. It means I have to earn the right to pray by praying to God. And that is certainly not the gospel. If you feel like you have to earn the right to pray by praying, then, then there might be a breakdown in your understanding of the gospel. Don't let guilt keep you from prayer. So at Davis, our, our sophomores and our upperclassmen have been studying the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> and, and the book of Hebrews, it, it's complicated, it's weird. One idea, Jesus is better. If you want to know Hebrews, that's all you need to know. Hebrews is all about Jesus being better than anything else that this world has to offer. And he goes to great lengths to build that up. And there's this part in chapter 4 that he points us to Jesus, and he shows us how Jesus actually encourages us to pray. And this is going to be kind of where we start to close here, and I'll give you guys a few practicals. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16 says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then, in response to this great high priest, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Because of Jesus, we can pray with confidence. So you remember back in the garden with Peter, James, and John, Jesus said, hey, your spirit's willing, right? But your, your flesh is weak. And that's, that's true of us today. And, and Jesus, he gets it. Guys, he understands our weakness because he himself experienced it. He lived as flesh and blood. He, he knew tiredness. He knew temptation. There were probably, think about this, there were probably times when Jesus was praying and was tempted to fall asleep. Like, that's wild. But unlike us, right, he, he didn't fall. He didn't sin. He didn't ever screw up. He didn't ever give in. 
And you guys have hopefully heard this story. You'll hear it again. When, when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived a perfect life as a human, when he died, he died for us. And when he rose from the dead, it was a confirmation that the debt that we owed had been paid. Guys, I just got to say this. People don't come back to life after they die. That doesn't happen. And yet Jesus did. That, that man, that's incredible. Don't ever lose sight of how incredible that is. Okay, guys, we worship a zombie who came back to life after he died. That's amazing. And, and the Bible says that when we put our faith in him, right, our, our guilt is removed, including the guilt of our prayerlessness. Guys, don't elevate any sin beyond Christ's death. Okay, there is no sin, including prayerlessness, that Christ didn't die for. And so instead of guilt, right, we, we now have confidence that it doesn't matter how much or how little you prayed today or yesterday or the last 20 years. It doesn't matter if your prayer life was Facebook or MySpace. Uh, you can, with confidence, pray now, right now, because of Jesus. So uh, because of Jesus, I, I can actually say tonight that you guys can continue steadfastly in prayer, that you can be watchful, that you can be thankful, and you can be confident. And God delights to hear prayers. He, he longs to show mercy and give grace. So, so I'm just going to throw out a couple things we talked about in the beginning. If, if, if maybe if you lack prayer, or if you, oh, sorry, if you lack power or wisdom or strength, you can, you can pray and ask God to give you those things. If you're struggling with sin, you, you can pray and ask God to help you overcome those things. If, if you're struggling in your faith, you're, you're not really sure what you can believe, believe, you can ask God to show himself to you. You can seek him and know that he'll come and reveal himself to you. James, James the book of James, says that we, we have not because we ask not. Guys, too much is at stake when we don't pray. So I'm going to give you guys a few quick practicals because I, I don't want to do you a disservice and, and say pray, pray, pray and not tell you how. Uh, here, here are just four really quick thoughts and then we'll pray and we'll worship. So first, start small. So guys, if, if you don't have like a consistent prayer life right now, don't set a goal of spending two hours in prayer tomorrow because here's what will happen. Uh, you won't do it, first of all, because two hours is a lot longer than you think. Uh, you'll fail and then you'll get discouraged and then you'll stop praying, okay? So, so don't set the bar too high. Uh, my recommendation, tomorrow morning, maybe tonight, find a quiet place, a place totally free from distractions, pull out your phone, put on Do Not Disturb, Set a timer for 10 minutes and don't stop talking until it goes off. Start there. Okay, 10 minutes. When you catch yourself straying, don't rebuke yourself. Don't get mad at yourself. Just get yourself back on track. And over time, I think as you begin to develop the prayer muscles, you, you can increase that time. Prayer is just like any other muscle. It has to be built up through exercise. And the best, learned, the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. <clears throat> Second, uh, and this has been really, really helpful for me, is pray with others. So find a group of people and commit to praying together on a consistent basis. If you guys don't already have prayer groups here, start one. And, and this will do a couple of things. One, it will provide accountability. So it's really easy to skip my own personal prayer time, right? Especially when I don't, like, I'm the only one who knows about it. So if I skip a bit, like, 
no harm, no foul, right? Uh, but I never miss out when I'm praying with somebody else because <laughs> that's embarrassing. It's like, it's like uh, going to the gym with somebody else, you know? If it's just you, it's really easy to skip. So, so learn to pray with other people. Uh, but another thing that this helps, first is accountability. Second is uh, you learn how to pray. So, so maybe you don't really know what you're doing in prayer. Maybe you feel awkward. Uh, your, your words kind of stumble out. Man, listen to other people and how they pray and, and learn from them. If you guys live with Christians, this is a no-brainer. If you live with other Christians, you should be praying with them. And if you don't live with other Christians, then this is even more important. So find some to, to pray with. Third, use tools to help you pray, or use prayer tools. <clears throat> so most of you guys, I imagine, your college students, you keep either a calendar or a to-do list or a planner, something along those lines. Maybe not, but most of you guys do. So if, if we use tools to help us keep track of our time and to get schoolwork done, why wouldn't we use tools to help us pray? Again, that's kind of a no-brainer. And, and there's no right way to do this, but there's two things that I've seen that have been really helpful. Uh, one is a prayer list, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Just write down all the things you're praying for. And if you have a friend who's like, hey, I'm really struggling, say, hey, I'll pray for you, and then write it down on your list so that you actually do. Because we've all done that, haven't we? We're like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then we like, never actually pray for them. So write it on your list so that you will actually pray for them. And then when you follow up with them, oh, my gosh, like two, three weeks later, hey, I've been praying for that. How did it go? That, that communicates a lot. So prayer lists, super easy. Uh, people, events, maybe scriptures that you want to be true of you or true of others, write them all down. Uh, and then the other one, this has been a fun one I've been doing this year, is uh, prayer cards. And it's just like a list, except you do them in like flashcard format. Um, and I don't know why, but when I see like a huge prayer list, it's kind of overwhelming. But if I see like, oh, Two things to pray for. That's easy. And then I'll oh, flip another one. And you know when you're in flashcards, it's super rewarding to flip. And so you just kind of get going. Um, you laugh. Try it. It's amazing. Uh, it's so satisfying to flip my prayer card. So uh, I have, so for example, I have a prayer card for my staff team. I have one for guys that I disciple. Um, my wife gets her own card. So she has her own card with things I'm praying for her. My son has his own card. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can kind of use it as you want, but you kind of get like a little deck of cards going. Um, and I don't make it through the prayer like cards every day. Um, probably three times a week I pull them out, and I maybe make it through five to ten, depending on when my son wakes up. And um, you just make it work for you, okay? There's no right way to do it, wrong way to do it. So use prayer tools. And then lastly is, is get in the habit of praying Scripture back to God. Okay, because I, I hear from a lot of people, they say, hey, I don't know what to pray for. I, I don't know what words to use. I, I run out of things to pray for. Um, and, and scripture, when we read scripture, it, it gives us a vocabulary for our prayer life. So as you're reading scripture and something stands out to you, turn it into a prayer. So maybe David said something in the Psalms, you're like, man, I, I want to borrow that. I'm going to adopt that as my own. Put your own name in there. And this is especially true, like, when you're reading uh, in, in the New Testament, and if Paul is, like, praying for other people, you can just, like, borrow that, copy, paste that, put in other people's names. Um, that's what it's there for. So uh, use, let Scripture teach you how to pray. Okay, and then last thing here, this isn't, like, the fifth point. This is just, I forgot to add this. Uh, if, you, if you literally have nowhere, like, no starting place whatsoever, go to Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. You guys have probably heard it. It's the, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's that one. 
don't pray it word for word, all right? That's not what it's for. It's not meant to be like copy-paste, uh, word for word, now God loves me. That's not how it works. Uh, use the Lord's Prayer as a diving board for your own prayers, okay? So when, when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, um, you guys probably aren't in need of daily bread, right? Uh, but, but maybe you're in need of, of financial aid, or maybe you're in need of uh, energy so you can study, or, or strength for this friend that you're caring for. Use the prayer as a diving board for your own prayers, substituting your words for his, and kind of adapting it to your situation. So, uh, again, what do I have here? Start small, pray with others, use tools, and, and pray scripture back to God. And, and these are a few things that have been really helpful for me, uh, getting into that steadfast, consistent, hard work of prayer. And, and guys, I want to end with this. I, I love this ministry. I said that before. I'll say it again. I, I love what God is doing here. And I want to see more, right? I want to see God do more at Chico. But, but I promise you guys, that won't happen unless you build your ministry on the foundation of prayer. Like, God will not let you build a ministry by your own work and effort. He cares too much about his glory to let you guys take credit for what's happening here. And so if you guys don't build your ministry on prayer, trusting God, relying on him, dependent on him, I think he's going to frustrate your efforts, and I don't want to see that. I want to see more people come to know Jesus. I want to see more people go on staff and go on mission trips, and I want to see more of you guys go into the workforce and continue to live for Jesus. So you guys need to be a ministry that prays. You need to build the foundation. So let me pray, and then we're going to continue to worship together. God, thank you again for uh, the privilege that it is to share with this group. Uh, and, and God, I, I thank you that my confidence to draw near you in prayer, even now, is not based upon what I've done or what I haven't done, but it's based upon what Jesus did on my behalf. God, I pray for this group uh, and myself included with them. Would, would we be those who continue steadfastly in prayer? Would you give us a spirit of watchfulness? And would you help us to be thankful? And would you open our eyes to this, the many, many things that we have to be thankful for? Uh, Jesus, if there are those here tonight that are hearing this and, and they're, they're watching from the outside wondering how they get in. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them tonight. I pray that as they call to you, that you would respond. That as they pray, that you would answer. God, thank you. Thank you. And would you, again, Lord, please teach us how to pray. We love you because you first loved us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.